Before I begin the homily part, just a little explanation in Scripture, where it talks about, um, what is it? The fire never goes out. Um, I could just say the worm doesn't die. What was the last line? Okay, what was the last line? Okay. Okay. The fire's never quenched, and what? The worm does not die. Okay. What that is about is the Kenan Valley outside of Jerusalem was the garbage dump. And basically, the garbage dump, where they continued to pour all the garbage, methane gas was created. And also with the garbage, you would get maggots that would be into the garbage. And the methane gas would be, would be caught, caught fire, and it would never go out. And so you could look at the garbage dump at any time and see kind of low smoldering fires burning the methane gas. And so that's where the image of hell has come from, the image of that Kenan Valley, the garbage dump, or Gehenna, as the translation is made. So anyway, that's, I just wanted you to know that's where the image of hell is drawn from, from the garbage dump where the fire never goes out and the worm never dies. So. Anyway, that's, I knew there was a fire and the worm. I didn't know exactly, couldn't remember how they came together. In regard to um, a thought, there's uh, a couple that I've known for a long time since I was stationed at Purdue. They developed their own business down in Indianapolis. And uh, he was telling about the story of one time he had made a bid on a job in St. Louis. And uh, the guy at the company called and said, we decided to award your, your company the job. But I want to tell you how we made that decision. Instead of calling the people who were your references in terms of people who had, you had worked for and worked with, we decided to call your competitors. And we found it very amazing. We called all your competitors and every one of us told us that if we hired you, we'd be making a good choice. Amazing. He said, I never saw people, the other companies, as my competitors. The only person I compete with is myself and have our company compete with to be the best we can be. Actually, I see the other companies in this field as co-workers with me in the field. Some have larger businesses and they can handle more than I could handle, and others handle small, you know, that I would never be able to really do profitably. So he said, there's a niche for all of us and there's a place for all of us, and we're all about doing the same work. So I don't see myself as competing against the others. Yeah, rather, we're trying to serve the community. And I was thinking that is kind of an image of that, of the readings we had, 
where in the first reading, the Spirit came upon 72 of the, the Jewish le leaders chosen by Moses, but two weren't there and so weren't there when the Spirit was poured out upon them, but they received the Spirit anyway. And so they said since they weren't with them, they shouldn't have been prophesying like the other 70 were. In the Gospel, John says to Jesus, there, were t there was a man who was, you know, speaking in your name, driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he wasn't one of us. And Jesus saying, no, don't stop him. If he's working in my name, then nothing could be harmful to us or against us as somebody who is working with us. And I was wondering about, um, sometimes we might think we have a franchise on the Christian or the gospel message. We don't, none of us have the franchise on the gospel message. Yes, I firmly believe we are the original church founded through Christ and the community still passed down through history, but there are not others who also don't share in a very powerful way of proclaiming the gospel, of proclaiming the good news and the message of Christ. Not that we're, we shouldn't be in competition with them, rather each of us should be striving to make Christ as visible as we can, to live a life as deeply in harmony with Christ and one with him as we can, as in a community of faith, also to make the light of Christ shine forth in the community of Muncie. That should be our task. No matter what other people are doing or not doing, our task is to proclaim Christ and to make his gospel visible in the way it is lived out by us both as individuals, but also as a people, a community, a faith. You know, um, sometimes you could go into community anonymously and just ask people on the street uh, if they know where the Catholic Church is. And a lot of times they'll say, I have no idea where it is. Um, but then if you ask the further question, well, what do they do? What are they involved with? Is there anything that they do that would be helpful and beneficial to the community that we're a part of? Um, thank God we can truly say we are. You know, the food pantry, the St. Vincent de Paul store, the uh, soup kitchen, a variety of ways. But that's part of what the message is about. It is part of what we are called to do as followers of Christ. It is the way that we are called to make visible the light of Christ, the love of Christ in the community in which we live. We're not competing against others. We're rather trying to live faithfully what the gospel calls us to. And that is a challenge for all of us. Another church may be involved in some way. Great. That's great that they are. That doesn't lessen what we do. It doesn't say, well, we should try to stop them because after all, they're not part of us. It's like, no. Sometimes they might challenge us to be more faithful. They might challenge us to put our faith into a deeper practice and maybe call us out of complacency sometime. 
and call us into a, a more serious response to the gospel that has been entrusted to us. The gospel has been entrusted to us and we have a primary responsibility of making that known and making it visible. So that's what I think the gospel is calling us to today. And not any kind of franchise where this is my territory or our territory and nobody else is supposed to be involved with this. Um, Christ is saying, would that everyone had heard my word and shared and proclaimed it to others. He also gives a warning about any harm done to a little one. And it's one of those real kind of, uh, to me, the most frightening things that Jesus says in the gospel, other than what he said about Judas, it would have been better had he never been born. That's a frightening line to, to hear. But he said it would be better to have someone with a millstone fastened around their neck and cast into the sea than to give scandal to one of these little ones or cause them to sin. Wow, that's a very serious, serious uh, words that Christ is giving to us. And the thing with little ones and children, um, the impact can be so significant even when one is so little and so small and not realizing how devastating it could be for a little child. Sometimes when I hear parents talking like they're talking to another adult that they're angry at, but talking to a child that way, it's like, are you in danger of crushing the child's spirit? Are you in danger of, in a way, just in a way, um, destroying part of their life or part of the life within them? Um, now, this is a, just a real mild kind of story, but just to show you, just a way of small things can have a very strong impact. Just in the example I give is like, I, I think we were in third grade at the time, and we were up in the choir loft preparing for a funeral uh, for someone who had died. And then the nun pointed to me and said, you be quiet, <laughs> don't sing. <laughs> and as a little child, I took that so strongly, I would not sing until I became an adult. I would not even open my mouth to let any words come out as far as singing goes because I'd been so, to me, devastated by that. Just a little thing, but the impact that it had was very strong. And then, of course, when I became a priest, I said, well, now nobody can tell me I can't sing. <laughs> Maybe I can't, but I can. <laughs> so that's what nice thing about being the pastor or the priest, okay? Um, I don't have anybody to tell me I can't. The, uh, and Father, um, there was a, a priest who would give talks at various conferences. His name passes my mind right now. But he said, if God gave you a bad voice, 
give it back to him. <laughs> After all, he knows what your voice sounds like because he created you and your voice as well. So if he did, gave you a bad voice, say, God, I'm only giving you the same voice you gave me. Here it is, okay? But anyway, just be careful with little ones, with young people. Just be very careful with them. Don't crush them. Don't, in a way, have that kind of impact on them that inside there is no voice left inside to sing after that had happened. Anyway, that's what I think our Lord is talking about. Um, don't do something to crush or harm the little ones. They are precious in the eyes of God. God bless you.